Welcome back to The Emily Show. Today, we are going over week two of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial because Johnny Depp has been on the stand for most of this week. I have been live streaming most of it over on YouTube. There have been some interesting moments, some very sad moments, some light moments, and some moments that I think have been very good for Johnny Depp. Of course, we are still in his case. We are still in the plaintiff's case. We haven't gotten to Amber Heard presenting her evidence yet. So I'm going to give you a summary of the week. But first, we're going to start with a quote from Johnny Depp on the stand. When asked about what the allegations of Amber Heard have cost him, he said, I've lost nothing less than everything. And with that, we should just get into it. There is a lot to cover. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. We cover a lot in our cases and we talk about how not to get caught unprepared. Part of that is making sure that you have life insurance. Now, I know that this might feel like something that's very hard to do, but it's not. Policy Genius makes it easy. They don't add extra fees, they don't sell your info to third parties, and they are not an insurance company. They are experts available to help you find the right policy and you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. It's really easy because Policy Genius is your one-stop shop to find the insurance you need at the right price. Just click the link in the description or head to policygenius.com slash and answer a few questions. In minutes, you can compare personalized quotes from top companies to find your lowest price. The team of experts at Policy Genius are on hand through the entire process to help you understand and make the decision that's right for you. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance company. So whether you're just starting to shop or you have questions about your current policy, they're your independent advocates. Did I mention that with code Lawnard, you can get your free life insurance quote now and see how much you could save? PolicyGenius.com slash Lawnard in the description and the show notes. When we kicked off this week on Monday, we are still in the plaintiff's case, Johnny Depp, trying to prove defamation against Amber Heard. I have a case brief on that that I'll put in the uh, show notes in the description down below. But when we kicked off on Monday, we were finishing up video deposition testimony that is so painful to sit through and watch of Johnny Depp's personal concierge doctor and the nurse that he worked with. We heard their testimony again through video deposition, which felt very long and slogging. The things that stuck out to me were that Johnny Depp's concierge doctor was making like $100,000 a month to treat Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and take care of all of their needs. And he was never called about injuries that Amber Heard later has complained of and alleged were caused by Johnny Depp. A broken nose, a split lip, and it really stuck out to me that if you are an actress, you make your living off of your face, and you have a concierge doctor who had a member of their team see you two days later, they don't notice a split lip. They don't write anything in their notes. You don't go to a plastic surgeon to have that sutured so that your lip uh, heals properly. You don't go and have your broken nose set 
and make sure that it's okay because you're again making your living with your face. So there are some questions about a lack of medical and documentary evidence with regard to those injuries for me after this testimony. And that's one of the things that stuck out. After we finished those video depositions, we got into another live witness and it felt like a breath of fresh air. This was Keenan Wyatt, the sound tech for Johnny Depp, who was quite charming on the stand and had lovely, lovely hair, which is one of the things that stuck out most to me about his testimony. But he was talking about mostly a plane flight from Boston to Los Angeles, wherein Amber Heard has alleged that Johnny Depp assaulted her and kicked her. Johnny Depp said, I fell asleep in the bathroom during that flight. I was on opioids and I was not awake during that flight. Amber Heard's team is trying to paint the picture that he was blackout drunk and belligerent and doesn't remember that flight accurately. This was during the filming of Black Mass. And so The testimony from Mr. Wyatt was about how Johnny Depp was on set, why he would have an ear where he was fed dialogue and a lot of information about the ins and outs of how they work together in the movie industry. And then his observations of Mr. Depp when Depp was either drinking or taking illicit narcotics and saying that his his behavior didn't change all that much. And that squared with Johnny Depp's later testimony because he was the next witness on the stand. And Johnny Depp talked a lot about drug use, saying that he used drugs to numb. He was not trying to party. He was not trying to be high. He was trying to escape not just physical back pain, but the pain of his emotional upbringing. The testimony on the first day was all background. It was very very sad. But it also humanized Johnny Depp, I think, a lot to this jury because you saw just a person who has a very difficult childhood. It was sad to listen to, but you started to understand Johnny Depp a little bit more in that first half day of testimony. The second day of his testimony on Wednesday, the entire day until the last like 20 minutes was direct examination by his legal team telling his story, going through not only why he brought this lawsuit, but his childhood, why he's here, and a lot of his drug use, his alcohol use, and what that was like. So as we get through this podcast episode, I'm going to go through kind of the points that stuck out to me with Johnny Depp's testimony, then what his cross-examination looked like, then where I see this case being at the end of this week, including some of the very interesting things that have popped off on social media over the weekend. So more might happen. I am recording this on April 22nd. There's always room for more to pop off between me recording this and you hearing this. And if you want to know about that, you need to follow me on Instagram at the Emily D Baker and on YouTube at the Emily D Baker, where I am streaming Johnny Depp's testimony with my commentary live to, you know, thousands and thousands of you. And if you want to follow along with my kind of quick thoughts on this case and other things at Twitter, at the Emily D Baker. And with that, we should get into day by day with this testimony and my high points. I'm going to be referring to my notes. If you hear my paper, it's because I'm referring to my notes. Before we do that, we have one more sponsor to thank today. Thank you to today's sponsor, Quip. Did you know that in Quip's app, you can gamify your oral hygiene and win prizes? Yes, you earn daily points for brushing for two minutes twice a day, and you can use 
those points to get rewards like credits, free Quip products, refillable floss string. Their refillable floss is one of my favorite things. Not only does it put less waste back into the environment, but it's so easy to use. I love a floss grabber. I hate wrapping floss around my fingers. Absolutely hate it. You can also get a solar battery charger so that you can travel with your sonic toothbrush wherever you go. I always want my toothbrush with me. Always, everywhere I go. And even though a healthy mouth is its own reward, you can also enhance that experience with Quip's app and products. We love their toothpaste at our house. They have mint and watermelon. If you haven't tried a watermelon toothpaste, it's delightful. Your kids will love it. Go ahead and try Quip today at getquip.com slash Emily show, and you'll get your first refill free. Oh, that's right. They'll ship it to your house. No more running to Target at 10 PM because you realize that you don't have any more toothpaste. Has that happened to you, Emily? Yes. That's your first refill free at get quip.com slash Emily show spelled G E T Q U I P.com slash Emily show quip a good habits company. It's so funny to me in this trial, how time has kind of gotten fuzzy, but the rest of the day on Monday was Depp's private security guard, Sean bet who testified. Well, he's a former LA sheriff's deputy. He testified very much like I expect a a deputy would testify with all the trials I've done with deputies testifying very kind of linear. He also introduced a number of photographs of injury that Johnny Depp sustained, they say, at the hands of Amber Heard and talked about incidents where he did not see injury on Amber Heard. So he talked a lot about being present to a number of things, but of course, not behind closed doors and not present to everything. I thought his testimony was very foundational, established a lot of facts to benefit Johnny Depp. But of course, this is Johnny Depp's case. Their entire goal is to bolster Johnny Depp's case. They don't have to point out anything from the other case, which is one of the comments I've seen a lot in the live streams. It's like, but what about this? And what about this? Nope. Johnny Depp's team presents their case. It's like tennis. And then the ball gets volleyed over to Amber Heard's team and she presents her case. And then the ball gets volleyed back over to Johnny Depp's team. So each side is opposing the other. There's no neutrality. There's no unbiasedness. It is each side presenting their version of the facts and letting the jury decide at the end of the day if these things were defamatory, if the op-ed was defamatory or if Johnny Depp's lawyer's statements were defamatory. That's in my case brief video that'll be linked down below. In his full, his first full day of testimony, which was trial day five, Johnny Depp talks a lot about addiction and talking about his addiction to opioid painkillers. He talked about them having barbs that got into you. He talked about hurting his back on the set of Pirates of the Caribbean, throwing a chair through glass. I have no recollection of which Pirates movie he said that was, and it's not in my notes, but I'm sure y'all will let me know. So he hurt his back. He talks very metaphorically, but also very descriptively. He talks as if he's writing a novel describing it. There is lots of present sense impression. There is lots of detail to paint a very colorful picture of what happened that moment. And he describes hurting his back in almost excruciating detail for someone who's herniated their back and then had a spinal fusion. I'm like, I sitting at my computer watching this go down and live streaming it with you, I was at rapt attention 
hearing how he hurt his back, the feeling, the hot nerve pain, all of it. I was just like, tell me more, tell me more. I hear you. I feel you. And I wonder if the jury in the courtroom was also on the edge of their seat listening to Johnny Depp talk. That wore off when we got to cross-examination. Oh boy, did it. But during his direct, listening to him tell his story was fascinating to me. He talks about the only thing he's ever been addicted to is opioids and that the other narcotics he has used were to numb, to escape. And he said, I tried to escape my own brain. I was always willing to try something. He actually said, I wasn't shy to try a substance. And this is very much how he talks in almost third person as if he's evaluating the scene and describing the scene to you, not necessarily talking about himself in the first person. It's a very interesting um, cadence of speech. And he referred to it as his vernacular and how his vernacular was formed. And it is a very interesting patterning of speech. So if you've spent any time watching this trial, I'm sure you've seen that too. The end of day five ended with him beginning his relationship with Amber Heard. A lot of her friends moving in with him in the series of penthouses that he had at the ECB building. And then the next day, it started off just right into it with talking about Johnny Depp's ambition, talking about what he wanted for his life. And he said, and I made note of this because ambition comes up a lot. It comes up in some of the graffiti and the criticisms and sometimes the very harsh and vulgar criticisms he has had of Amber Heard. And he said, the only ambition I've had in life was to be a great parent, be a great father, and to be the best father I could be. He said, there's plenty wrong with me, but my main goal was to retreat when talking about fighting with Amber Heard. And when asked, why did you stay? He said, I didn't want to fail. I wanted to make it work. And so we heard audio later in this testimony of him and Amber Heard fighting. The audio was very difficult to listen to. A lot of it has already been made available online, either leaked or through the UK case. And in some of that audio, you hear her insulting him as a parent, saying that she hopes her his kids learn more from their stepfather and really taking a dig at that. And you heard him on the stand talk about how painful that was for him. But during that in and out, because Depp didn't answer a question precisely, and when asked a question would wander to the beginning of the story somewhere else and then wander back to answering the question, there was a lot of information added in. And Amber Heard's attorney, Mr. Rottenborn, yes, that's his real name, started objecting with hearsay objections, some of them proper, some of them eh, could have probably let slide because they weren't being offered for the truth. But again, that's their job as defense attorneys. You got to give it a try. And this started a back and forth between Johnny Depp and Mr. Rottenborn over hearsay objections. The internet has taken flight with video clips of Johnny Depp clapping back at hearsay objections. So throughout my notes, I have peppered in, just let him object to another one. And isn't that hearsay? And aren't those hearsay documents? And how is it hearsay when someone says it, but it's not hearsay if I read it? And just clapping back at Rottenborn's hearsay objections. I do think that Johnny Depp's attorney could have argued a bit more about why things were being offered, but the judge was very quick to grant hearsay objections on against both sides. And 
Johnny Depp's team did not really fight for these things not being offered for the truth of the matter. Again, hearsay is trying to admit something into evidence that's being offered to prove the truth of the statement, but it's not the person testifying. And there are a lot, a lot of exceptions to that rule. They weren't fighting it out. They just gave up. I was like, what are, what are we doing? Why are we just giving up? Fight, fight the objections. Nope, just gave up. Both sides. This happened with both sides that when they got objections that they got a few times and they just, they just like gave up and moved on. It was very odd to watch as someone who has done a lot of trial work. And I thought some of this was a possibly because civil attorneys do a lot of depositions and not as many trials. And in deposition, when you object, generally the answer comes in, the objection is preserved for the record and you move forward. You don't have to learn to counter objections in court because they make their objections and then you keep going. And that's what I got from both sides is once the objection was made, they didn't have the answer to the objection, but all the criminal attorneys out there are like, that is where the magic happens in being able to on your feet, respond to objections. But I will not digress into law and practice and trial practice too much more at the moment. Several times throughout the testimony on various days, Johnny Depp's attorneys asked again, have you ever struck Miss Heard? And he said, I have never struck Miss Heard. I have never struck a woman in my life. And he has answered that consistently throughout his testimony. Of course, that is the heart of the case. Amber Heard said in the op-ed that she became the face of domestic abuse when they were getting divorced. Johnny Depp says, I never abused you. However, on cross-examination, Emily, are you fast-forwarding yourself in the timeline? Yes. On cross-examination, Mr. Rottenborn, in a shining moment in what was otherwise a disaster, said to Mr. Depp, do you agree that abuse can be physical or emotional? And Johnny Depp talked about the abuse with his mother and how the emotional abuse tends to work its way into your brain and stay there. So in Johnny Depp's own words, he talked about how painful emotional and psychological abuse can be. And I think in closing argument, we will see Amber Heard's legal team using that moment to say that abuse is not just physical. Domestic abuse can also be emotional and mental and trying to get the jury on their side that Amber Heard, whether they believe she was struck or not, was still abused in this relationship because there was also mental and emotional abuse. And we will see how that line of questioning plays out later on, I suspect. But getting back to Johnny Depp's testimony, they talked about the incidents, and we've got these few incidents um, that keep getting brought up, a plane flight from Boston to LA, the catastrophe in Australia where Johnny Depp's finger is severed, um, a staircase incident at their home in Los Angeles and a few others. Johnny Depp went into lengths about getting clean from opiate painkillers and how horrible that was for him. He said that he didn't want to be at his island in the Bahamas, which he was embarrassed to admit that he owned. He was embarrassed and he looked at the jury and said, it's weird for me to say, but I have an island. I was at the island and it's the only place I can really be myself. And it was, I took away a very sad moment where one of the biggest celebrities in the world doesn't feel like he can be really out in public 
can't go out to a restaurant. He had talked about filming on location and staying in his hotel because he caused too much of fuss when he went out and that the island was really the only place he could just be. No paparazzi, no people around. And that's really all he has, his homes and an island in the Bahamas. And I know it might seem like, yeah, sad rich people problems, but to me, it sounded so isolating that there's nowhere you can really be in the world. That was my takeaway. The jury might be like, yeah, the only place you can be safe is your island in the Bahamas. Sure. We don't know. But for me, that was my takeaway. He said that he didn't want Amber Heard to be with him in the Bahamas because he felt that the detoxing from narcotics or uh, and rehabbing from those narcotics might be too much for her and that she might be too much for him. On day six, we started to get into what happened in Australia. Oof. The Australia incident, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail. There have been pictures now admitted into evidence. They are all over the internet. Some of them are on my Twitter timeline and you can go look at them. I'm going to give you kind of a summary of my takeaways from how Depp described this. And they got into it on cross-examination the next day. But it seems that the fight in Australia started over a post-nuptial agreement. Johnny Depp talked about the wedding in Los Angeles that was their legal and official wedding and that it got kind of rushed because his mom was not doing well and was ill. And they got married at his mom's house and had a number of her friends there. One of the striking moments really from that testimony was that he was trying to accommodate Amber that she was delaying signing the prenuptial agreement there is a waiting period from when you sign a prenuptial agreement to when you can get married so that it's not signed under duress. And he said that the time had gotten too short and there was no time left to sign the prenup because they had to have this wedding. And then he had to go to Australia to film Pirates 5. So no prenuptial agreement was signed. They got married at his mother's house. And on their itinerary for the wedding, there was dinner, dancing, and drugs. And apparently Amber Heard and all of her friends partook in MDMA and away they went. It was, it was so strange. I'm like, did I hear that properly? He said, yes, it was during the reception. We had dinner, dancing, and drugs. It was on the schedule. I'm like, only in Los Angeles, only in Los Angeles. Is that what's on the schedule at your wedding reception? Not like cut the cake, take pictures. No dinner, dancing, drugs. Okay. So when we get into testimony in the morning of day six, there's fight about the post-nuptial agreement, an agreement like a prenup, but signed after you are married, saying who gets what to who if you get divorced. Mind you, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard got divorced in 2016, and we're in 2022, and they are still fighting, essentially over the ending of their relationship, though in the context of defamation. He recalled that she came from talking to a lawyer I couldn't tell if he was saying she physically was talking to someone or was on the phone with someone and came from a different part of the house in Australia, but started unloading on him and saying, I'm not even in your will and I'm not signing this and was riled up and very upset. Johnny Depp said he believed Amber that this attorney was like, Mr. Depp knows exactly what's going on here and made her feel awful and then called up and unleashed on the attorney. What we heard in Amber Heard's team's opening statement is that Johnny Depp called up the attorney, called her a bitch, and that that attorney will be testifying. I'm very curious as to what went on here, because did the attorney rile Amber Heard 
Or did Amber Heard get riled because of the contents of the postnup and unload on Johnny Depp and throw the lawyers under the bus and blame them and be like, well, the lawyers said this and the lawyers said that? Because we always blame the lawyers. Because why not? Because you need to blame the lawyers because it's the lawyer's fault. Anyway, I'm very curious as to what the lawyer has to say and whether that got spun by Amber to Johnny or whether that's just his recollection of it. It will be very interesting to see what happened, but I'm not even in your will. And then the fighting in Australia began. Johnny Depp almost acted out this part of the testimony. He moved around in the witness box and draped his arm over and kind of physically showed people where things were. Now I'm ADHD. I know that he's been diagnosed ADHD as well. I'm not surprised he was moving in his physical environment to tell the story. I do that too. I have a very hard time orienting myself. But the jury could see that as him acting for them. And it might change how they view his testimony. It could. It might not. It might come across as very credible and him trying to physically show how this all went down. So Johnny Depp talks about this fight with Amber Heard and trying to escape the fight with Amber Heard. And it seems almost as a fuck you to her. He goes down to the bar and sits down and takes a few shots of vodka. It's been made very clear in this trial that she has an issue with him drinking ever at all. So him sitting down for a few drinks to me felt like a, oh, you want to scream at me? Fine. Go ahead. Scream at me. Fuck you. I'm, I'm doing a couple shots. Grabbed a vodka bottle, sat down at the bar, had a couple shots. She came down, grabbed the vodka bottle and hurled it. He says at him, it missed him, hit the wall behind him. Then he went around the bar, grabbed a larger vodka bottle with a handle on it, sat down, poured himself another shot and did it. He said she took the bottle and hurled it at him. He had his hand on the bar and the large vodka bottle hit his finger and severed it. And then there's much discussion of everything that happened after that, including him dipping his hand in paint and paint thinner, the injured hand, and writing things on the walls. He talks about the fact that he was having some sort of a mental breakdown or was in complete shock. Part of the finger was found, and the doctor and the nurse testified about that. He referred to the finger as looking like Mount Vesuvius. The very graphic photos of the finger were shown in court. They showed pictures of him in the hospital, and when they did, he said, oh, I see something in that photo I hadn't remembered. That mark on my cheek is where she burned me with a cigarette that she put out on my face as this fight was happening after the finger was severed. We then heard a lot of testimony about what happened with the finger? The finger got MRSA. He needed multiple surgeries on the finger. The Pirates 5 crew had to digitally remove the large bandaging on his finger. So he talked about green dots being all up the cast on the finger so they could digitally change his finger. I want to go back and watch Pirates 5 and see what I can see, but I haven't had a chance to do that yet. I want to see about the digital replacement of his middle finger on his right hand. It shut down production. And that is the fight in Australia from Johnny Depp's perspective. He also talks about the fact that when he went to the ER, he lied about how the finger got injured and said it got injured in a sliding glass door. He was asked by his team, well, by his attorney quite a lot about why he had lied. And he talked about not wanting Miss Heard to get in trouble and not wanting to say what happened had happened. Of course, Heard's team is arguing that he cut off his own finger on his right hand with a knife. Depp started to get into the fact that a doctor had told him it was a velocity injury and that bones were crushed. That got objected to, but it didn't get stricken. So that part of the answer stayed in. And I wonder if we'll see more medical testimony about the reconstruction of the finger. 
We then got into a fight that happened in Los Angeles with audio of that fight and audio of them talking about the fight and the fact that Amber Heard gifted him a very large Bowie knife that said till death on it, XX Slim. Slim is her nickname from him. They were Steve and Slim, but a very large Bowie knife. I have a lot of questions about the knife. Amber has alleged that she was terrified of Johnny Depp. Her attorney said on opening that she carried makeup constantly to cover up bruises from the abuse. And she gifted him a very large knife not long after his finger was severed in Australia, is what it seems from the testimony. The attorneys have not done an ideal job at pegging when in time these things happened. I hope that will get tightened up before closing. I hope we will see demonstratives of a timeline before closing because it is very hard to keep track of. But others online have asked, and I have wondered too, if the knife is taunting after the finger was cut off and she was saying that he had cut off his own finger. It seems like a very odd gift. I'm having a hard time placing why. I want to see what she says when she testifies about this knife. I am sure Johnny Depp's team will be asking her about it. They get into an incident in Los Angeles where Depp and Heard were fighting and she struck him. And he's talking about trying to restrain her with his arms. And he was kind of acting it out, restraining her and that their heads bumped. She has called it a head butt and said that is how her nose was broken. He has said their foreheads bumped while they were scuffling over her trying to get away and him trying to stop her from hitting him any further. So that came up quite a lot on cross-examination. Was it a headbutt or was it not? And an audio of them fighting where it seems that he says, okay, a headbutt, but on the forehead and it didn't cause injuries. But it also kind of sounded like he said, but I didn't headbutt you. The audio was very garbled. I hope the jury has a transcript of that. They then got into what led up to Amber Heard's 30th birthday party, him being late to the birthday party, them fighting about the birthday party, and then her leaving for Coachella. When she left for Coachella is when the poop happened. And if you've been seeing hashtag me poo trending on Twitter, I think that LawTube started that. It wasn't me. But I think that LawTube started that because there was a pile of human feces left on Johnny Depp's side of the bed when Amber Heard left for Coachella on April 22nd of 2016. He remembered the date because that is her birthday. Now, he said that he called security. He wanted to go over to the penthouses to grab things that were valuable to him because at that point he had decided he was done. And so he wanted to take his property that was important to him. He said things with the kids and stuff that is meaningful and valuable to him out of the penthouses. But he was told now's not a good time and that he was sent a photo of poop on the bed. Did we see the photo in court? No. Is that photo available online? Yep. He was asked about Amber Heard blaming the pile of human feces on the bed. And he said that that grumpy was not from the dogs. And then there was a pause and he said, it was not the dogs. I've lived with them. I've picked up their fun. And then a little later says, they are teacup Yorkies. They weigh four pounds each. And I bursted out in laughter and you could hear tittering in the courtroom. You could hear a little bit in the courtroom, but it was very much um, a moment when he's like, they're literally teacup Yorkies. 
they didn't leave that grumpy on the bed. And this is some of our laundered vernacular that is going to be coming out of this trial. I will forevermore call piles of poop grumpies. I just can't. I just can't not. Towards the end of his direct testimony, he's asked again about why he's taking this case to court. And he said, I wanted to fight about the allegations. He said, I wanted to fight because there wasn't a grain, an ounce, or a molecule of truth to it. He said he had talked about this with his friends, but not anyone else. And they asked again, did you talk to Hollywood directors? Did you talk to any of these people? And that's going to go to her counterclaims, I think. She's saying she was blackballed in Hollywood, and she said that in the op-ed too. But they, I think, were getting ahead of, did Johnny Depp call up everybody and say, don't work with her? He's saying, I only talked to a few of my closest friends and then was talking about Tim Burton. There were lots of celebrity names that came up during this trial because he talked about his band, The Hollywood Vampires, where Alice Cooper is the lead singer and Joe Perry is a guitarist. Lots of, lots of names. More of them, though, come up in cross-examination. He talks about losing his role with Disney. They didn't bring up his role with Warner Brothers, which is who I think is releasing the uh, Fantastic Beast movies, but he doesn't talk about the Fantastic Beast movies at all. They only talked about pirates when they talked about what he had lost. I would have liked him to describe a little bit more what he actually lost. Pirates was one of the things, but then he said, I've lost nothing short of everything. I would have liked him to quantify that for the jury a little bit, but he did talk about the fact that this allegation against him is essentially a stain that is going to be following him for the rest of his life and follows his kids as well. That afternoon, we got about 15, 20 minutes of cross-examination on day six. And that cross-examination, I thought, started out good. It started out just with the defamation, going to the article. You're not named here. This is what she says here. And Johnny Depp actually went into a bit of a, a moment talking about the fact that violence is a problem, that he agrees with some of what's in the op-ed, but the things about him that clearly point to him are defamatory and he doesn't agree with those, but it was really narrowing in on the defamation. This article doesn't name you, but did you see this? And the answers weren't super clear. It came in hot. I was looking forward to more very precise cross-examination, which is the goal of cross-examination. Be precise. Get out. Get what you need. Ask the questions you need and then be done and move on. On direct examination, you ask open-ended questions. What happened next? Where were you this day? And then what did you see? And then what did you do? Open-ended questions. What have you lost? On cross-examination, they are very narrow questions. This article doesn't name you anywhere. Yes or no? Does it say your name? Yes or no? Narrowly tailored leading questions on cross-examination. And that started off well at the end of day six. And then day seven, the wheels fell off and rolled into the ocean and were carried away by beluga whales. Like it just, uh, the ship sank. I don't have any more metaphors. It was like dodging raindrops of lava, which is actually how Johnny Depp described his relationship with Amber Heard at one point during his direct examination. So. Let's talk about cross-examination and the long slogging day that was Thursday, April 21st. And oh my, my, was it a long fucking day. At first, they started asking, Mr. Rottenborn started asking about Johnny Depp's team. And Johnny Depp very frequently showed his derision 
for Mr. Rottenborn by saying, okay, Mr. Rottenborn. It was kind of funny. I don't know if the jury will appreciate it. I thought it was funny. And we needed all the moments we could get during cross-examination. Let me tell you what. Because it was, mm, it was something. It was something. With that, he asked about all the people that have testified being employed by Johnny Depp. And aren't they yes men? And Johnny Depp's answer was, they're not the yes men you'd like them to be. Shortly after that, Mr. Rottenborn said, well, weren't you drinking whiskey in the morning? And Johnny Depp looked at him and said, isn't happy hour anytime? A little bit later in that, he said, you drank quite a lot that day. And Johnny Depp looked at him and goes, were you there? It just, it started off contentious. It continued to be contentious. When Rottenborn would cut Johnny Depp Depp off, which is his right to do. Johnny Depp was not always answering the questions. He would say, I want to be mindful of the court and jury time. But then he would take five minutes to pull up an exhibit or to get something redacted that wasn't prepared. And then that felt like an, an egregious waste of time. As he was saying, I'm trying to be mindful of the court and jury's time. And then he was walking back and forth to counsel table, trying to figure out what exhibit was next. It felt very disjointed and it took us out of the flow. It also felt to me that when he was asking Johnny Depp questions, he was asking them just to get to the UK transcript. He didn't give a shit what Johnny Depp said. This is my perception. What Johnny Depp said in his answer, he was like, okay, well, let's go to what you said in the UK trial. It, was, it, it didn't have any flow to it, which allowed for Johnny Depp to clap back a few times at Mr. Rottenborn. They put in a picture of Johnny Depp seemingly passed out with ice cream spilling down his lap. And Johnny Depp talks about the fact that he was working on black mass. He had worked like a 16 or 17 hour day and he was taking opioids and he was on the nod. So he was falling asleep and he goes, Amber asked me to hold the ice cream knowing I was falling asleep. And so they said, but this you're passed out here and trying to insinuate. It seemed that he was inebriated on alcohol and passed out. He's like, no, I was on pills. And I passed out. And at that point, he was saying, wasn't it your ice cream? And he's like, she asked me to hold it. I wasn't participating in the festival of ice cream. And that really sums up how the rest of cross-examination went with these metaphors. It then got into whether Johnny Depp had ever trashed hotel rooms and reports about him trashing hotel rooms. And he said, I have assaulted a couch or two in my day. It then got into these very graphic and horrific text messages between him and Paul Bettany, where he's talking about Amber Heard's uh, burned and deceased body rotting in the back of a Honda Civic. I don't know if these text messages have the power that the defense would like them to have. The content of those messages is graphic. It is horrific. But after you've heard Johnny Depp testify, he speaks with a lot of kind of grandiose metaphor. Again, I talked about his finger looking like Vesuvius and the dodging drops of lava falling from the sky. He uses quite a lot of these metaphors. And so I don't know if the jury will be horrified, like who says that even, or if the jury will be like, yeah, that's the way he talks. So how they attribute weight to these text messages that are graphic, I'm not sure. And I think the defense hurt themselves by putting in so many of them. I think they thought it would be shocking. Speculation. 
But I think what it ended up doing was kind of neutralizing the fact that this is just how he talks. This is how he talks. He drops the see you next Tuesday word. Mr. Rottenborn said cunt in court more times than I can count on two hands and seemed to be like, well, didn't you text this? And didn't you text that? But then also introduced text messages where Johnny Depp is speaking that way to Amber Heard. We we get to a point where Mr. Rottenborn is introducing text messages between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And I put clips of this up on social. And the text messages read something along the lines of, you know what? I'm going to let them tell you in their own words from Instagram. Still on cross-examination at the end of trial day seven. And there were some light moments in court like this. The only reason we go for the throat is love. These are the text messages. Did I read that oh, that's right? why they wanted it. Ended. You did. Okay. And then she writes, my throat is yours. Which shows that they're understanding. You're going to be the death of me. It feels like. But inception. I don't care. Is this good for her? And then you write, <laughs> I have other uses for your throat, which do not include injury. I have, I have other, other uses, uses for, your, for throat, your throat, which, which do, do not, not include <laughs> injury. Sorry, could you read that again? <laughs> do your words, sir, right? You read that right. Okay, yes, that's me laughing. I couldn't help myself. That's on my Instagram at the Emily D. Baker. But it was, I have other uses for your throat, which do not include injury. I take this as a sext, not literal injury. And he read it twice to get to the point about the injury. And after he read it twice, Johnny Depp goes, could you read it again? I died. And you can hear them laughing in the courtroom. And if you go to my um, stream where I covered this, you can hear them laughing in the courtroom. But it was moments like that that were kind of light where I think the defense was missing the point. They are trying to make fetch happen. They are trying to make these texts very literal when they do not always seem literal. It's going to be up to the jury to decide ultimately. The thing I thought was most interesting at the beginning of this cross-examination, the first half of the day, they talked about an insurance form and whether Depp had checked that he had used illegal substances or not, and whether that checkbox was a lie, but they never tied in the timing. And then they just moved on and never came back to it. And it left me very, very unresolved. Speaking of things that left me unresolved, when they moved on to talk about Australia, they talked about whether or not Johnny had severed his own finger. He's like, no. And he goes, well, after you cut off your finger and then Rottenborn goes, I'm not going to give you anything to fight with me about just yet. And kind of backed up and said, after your finger was severed and then got into his questions. But they also would not stop asking questions about whether or not Johnny Depp defaced a painting with a penis, like a drawing of a penis. And he said, but you drew a penis on the painting. And he went on and on and on. And Johnny Depp's like, I don't think I drew a penis on a painting. I was, when I was in this, you know, shock or mental breakdown, I was writing notes. I was writing things that I thought, and he was alluding to Easy Amber, and maybe she cheated with Billy Bob Thornton. And these are the things he was writing on the mirrors and it was very odd that Rottenborn would not move on from the painting with the penis. And there was never a picture of the painting with, I was like, what's happening? What's happening? Where it, did it happen? 
Why does it matter? Like, who gives a shit if he defaced a painting with a penis at the end of the day? And if you're not going to show us pictures, could you? Why are we hammering on for five, six minutes over this penis painting? It might have not taken that long, but in my mind, it felt like it went on forever. And then they went to UK transcript testimony where Donnie Depp said, I don't think I did that, but I guess it's possible. And he just kind of acquiesced to anything's possible, which also is an impeachment. Like this isn't the serve you think it is, Rottenborn. He didn't admit anything different in the UK than he admitted sitting on the stand saying, that doesn't seem like something I would do. But they're trying to show that he was so out of his mind, altered, that he used his left hand to cut off his middle finger on his right hand and then tried to say that she did it. They got into a lot of really unflattering audio. And then they brought in this video that is of Johnny Depp slamming cabinets and being very upset and drunk. And he admits, yeah, I was drunk. Then he pours this, like, it looks like a, a mason jar, not like a big one, but like a, a mason jar that has a stem on it. So it's like a mason jar, wine jar. Rottenborn at one point called it a mega pint of wine. And Johnny Depp laughed about it being called a mega pint. And then he went to the UK transcript and was like, you call it a mega pint first. But this video seems to be surreptitiously recorded, and you can see Amber Heard moving a mug in front of this in front of this uh, video as she's trying to record him. And as she kind of snuck in, well, he didn't seem to know she was there. He's already pissed off, and then she's kind of getting into him about it. And after that, he said, "Johnny Depp said, do we have the metadata on that? That was recorded without my knowledge, etc." I don't think the video is super helpful for them, but interestingly enough. That particular video was copyright claimed on my YouTube channel by TMZ. Now, it has long been suspected that after the divorce, Amber Heard sold this particular video to TMZ, and she has denied that. She said it was leaked. Nothing else from her phone seems to have been leaked, but she said that was leaked. But then TMZ is claiming they own the copyright in this video that I did not pull from TMZ. This was entered into the court as evidence. And the TMZ video is clipped on the front end and the back end. It doesn't show the entire video. The court video seemed to be unedited. So it's very interesting to me that we have this moment of something that has been long alleged and then TMZ seemingly maybe supporting that by saying that they own the copyright on a video that was recorded on Amber Heard's phone. It was a very interesting moment for me. The very end of the day, we got some very strange audio that didn't have context or time of Johnny Depp moaning and somebody throwing up. And then this awful interaction between him and Amber Heard, where he seems to be insinuating that he is going to harm himself with a knife in a self-harming, but not self-ending type of a way. And it was very sad. Both parties seemed shaken by that audio. It was a very odd note to end the day on before the weekend. The court is not in session with the jury on Friday. And so we resume on Monday the testimony of Johnny Depp on cross-examination. But where do I think we stand at the end of this cross-examination? I don't think that they have scored the points they wanted to. Most of the transcripts they brought in didn't show vastly different things from what Johnny Depp said in court. It's not, well, you said this here and you said this here. It's like, no, the questions are slightly different. And Rottenborn did not do a good job of asking the exact same question that was asked in the UK. And then if the answers differ, being like, well, this answer differs, you didn't ask the same question. Of course, the answers are going to differ. That mattered to me as an attorney. 
I don't know if that will matter to the jury. I also think entering in how many text messages they did takes away the weight of those text messages. I think that at the end of the day, Johnny came through cross-examination without really being scathed so far. Nothing that really makes him seem disingenuous. Nothing has changed his story and nothing has, there's not been a gotcha moment. And the way Cross was pulled out was very boring. And I think the jury probably lost interest the same time the audience at home did. We were like, oh my God, are you, get it together. And during like the objections, Rottenberg wouldn't fight for his objections either. He would just sort of move on and be like, oh, fuck it, I'm going on. And that was very odd to watch as well in such a high profile case with so much prep work that went in before this. So really, I think at the end of the day, the defense has handed a lot for Heard's team to work with on redirect because they get to go next and redirect Johnny Depp and ask about what did you mean by these texts? What's the context of this? What's the timing of that? And I think the redirect is going to do more damage than the cross-examination did not damage to Depp, but damage to Heard's team because things taken out of context. If it looks like you're trying to pull one over on the jury, they are not going to like it. And I think some of those plain videos are out of timeline and it's going to seem as if they are trying to um, present things other than they are. And that's what Johnny Depp is saying is happening in a lot of these audio. He says he's being set up or things are being staged. And if it feels like the evidence is coming out that way too, I think the jury might feel Johnny Depp's side. Even if this is a difficult defamation case, legally speaking, the jury might be very much on Johnny Depp's side if they feel that the other side is playing hide the ball. And that's where those evidentiary objections are going to come in to me when we get to the fact that it seems that most of what was ordered from Amber Heard's phone and her iCloud account were never turned over. And if the jury gets an instruction about the fact that she didn't turn over evidence that they were ordered to turn over in November of last year, I think it could go very badly for her team. I think from what I've seen on social media that a lot of people understand Johnny Depp better, they understand this case better, and they know why he's fighting. At the end of the day, will either side walk away with a win? I don't know. Right now, it seems like a lot of mudslinging, and some of the things that the defense has brought in seem gratuitous, and to me, it felt like it was designed to embarrass Johnny Depp in front of the world. If the jury takes it that way too, it might again build in empathy or sympathy for him that his side of the case saying that she staged this and she made it up to ruin his life, they might see that as the posture of the case and not, as Heard's team argues, that he is a vindictive ex-husband hell-bent on revenge. That's not what we've seen on the stand so far. The vindictiveness I think that we're seeing right now is coming from Heard's side, using audio that really doesn't seem to matter to anything. You let me know what you think if you've been watching this. Please join me on the YouTube. And with that, I am going to wish you well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a honored. I'm going to try to circle back to the Kardashian Black China case soon, but there's no cameras in that courtroom and there is so much here to talk about. I appreciate you. Thank you for being a honored. Stay hydrated and mind your business. You can hear my voice, I'm sure. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your gas not be $7 a gallon. May your family be well and may the odds be ever in your favor. I will talk to you in the next one.